Wow, good morning. You know, I just, I just kind of looking out, and we're a little lighter than we normally are at 930, and I'm guessing, you know, we have about 500 New Springers involved in Judgment House. And we went to almost midnight last night, so I'm guessing there are a lot of Judgment, you know, judgment House people who are thankful we have three weekend services. But could I just share with you some awesome things? Normally, I just launch right into the message, but I was just, I'm buzzing around here trying to get back into the worship service, and somebody stopped me, and I just said, there's so much good news, we can't keep up with it all. Isn't that great to be in that kind of church? I mean, this is just awesome. You know, we, I talked to Dan a few minutes ago. Dan Kubish is not only our kids' pastor, missions pastor. He's director of Judgment House. Along, and think about that, a, a church with 500 people volunteering for two weekends to stay until almost midnight every night. You guys are the greatest church in the world. But I, I just found out we've, we have, we've had 764 people make a first-time decision to accept Jesus Christ. And last night, there was kind of buzz going around late with one of the groups that there was a group that had a lot of gang members from one of the L.A.-based gangs that you would recognize the name instantly. And so, you know, we were were thinking about that. But at the end of that tour, 13 of those gang members gave their lives to Jesus Christ. You know, we've been talking here in Wichita about gangs. There's been sort of a re-proliferation of it, and, and people think, well, man, just lock them up. How about turning them on to Jesus? Because if you're looking for a sense of belonging, you can't beat Jesus. And, and it's just been awesome. I mean, one of our teens led a Buddhist to the Lord in a parking lot after, after Judgment House last night. If you're our guest today for the first time and you think maybe this is a different kind of church, we plead guilty. We are a different kind of church here at New Spring because what we care about, and I say this all the time, and every once in a while someone will say, well, Mark, I'd like a clarification on what you mean by this. But what I say is we don't like religion here. You know, I mean, if, if you've tried religion and it didn't work, I'll tell you what, you're in with a lot of people who've tried it and we know it doesn't work. And we always say we don't like religion around here at all. And people will say, well, exactly what do you mean by that? You know, you can take a comparative religion course, and a lot of you guys did when you were in college. You, you took comparative religion courses, or you studied different world religions, and you evaluated them one after the other and tried to find the right one. Could I just tell you, and I mean this, and I'm, I mean this with all grace and no disrespect and no unkindness, all religions are wrong. <laughs> Here's why all religions are wrong. The only thing that will matter in the life after this is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Religion will not buy you a relationship. There is a huge disconnect between religion and everlasting life. And that's why here at New Spring, we don't want to initiate you in a religion. We want you to know a person. That is everything to us. That is why we have a cross outside when you drive up. We want you to know Jesus. We're not trying to hook you up with a denomination. We're not even trying to hook you up with a church unless the Lord leads you to New Spring. What we do want you to know is that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord, and he wants to have a very personal, intimate relationship with you. But now here is the biggest difference between a religion and a relationship with Jesus, and it's exactly what I want to talk about today. Let me just get to that in a moment, but I want, to, I want to kind of get you caught up for our text. We're in the Gospel of Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. If you know your Bible, then you probably know that this is, uh, all three chapters are part of a single sermon. If you don't know your Bible, you probably at least have heard about this particular sermon that Jesus preached because we call it the Sermon on the Mount. 
And as you know, the chapter divisions were not put there by God. You know, people put the chapter divisions in there many, many years after the Bible was completed to help us find our reference points. So actually, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, just one long sermon that Jesus preached. And we call it the greatest sermon ever preached. Some people call it the Kingdom Manifesto because in this sermon, Jesus is talking about life the way it should be lived. And he talks about all different kinds of things. But when he gets to the end of his message, when he gets to the end of the sermon, he does something that sometimes ministers call an invitation. A a message, like I'm speaking this morning, calls you to action. I hope that you never sit through a message here at New Spring and say, well, I wonder what Mark's talking about, or I wonder what I should do. My goal whenever I stand before you is to give you truth from God that you can instantly begin to leverage and use in your life. And often at the end of a message, I'll give what I call an invitation, which is an opportunity for you to act upon that message. Every weekend, I give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, to initiate that relationship with him based on, you know, making that connection by asking Christ to come into your life. But now Jesus gets to the end of his message, and he's going to give an invitation. And not all sermons are the same. Some sermons are what we would call evangelistic in nature. And and if that term evangelistic throws you, it just means giving the good news about how to go to heaven. Evangelism just means telling people good news. And so some messages talk about how to accept Christ and how to go to heaven. And so if a minister gives an invitation at the end of that sermon, he is asking you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior or to pray for the people who might be accepting Jesus as Savior. Billy Graham is an evangelist. If you listen to Billy's messages, and I know he's up in years now, but if you listen to any of his messages through the years, he's always telling you about how to accept Christ, how to be saved. His invitations, when he asks people to walk forward in the crusade, he is inviting them to accept Jesus. But Jesus is preaching a very different kind of message here. The message Jesus is preaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is not about how to get saved. It is for people basically who already are saved. Because there is a world of difference between just knowing Jesus as your Savior and then living the life that he wants you to live. Often, Christians are accused of being hypocrites. And I think to some degree, justly so and unjustly so. And here's why I say that. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're a member of God's family. But oftentimes our lives don't, don't match up to the commitment that we say we have made. And so what Jesus is calling us here to is not to accept him as Savior. He is calling us to live the life of a Christ follower. And so when he gets to the end of his message, now he's going to invite us, those of us who have already made a decision to accept Jesus, he is going to invite us to, to live a different kind of life because that involves a decision too. So he tells this story at the end of his message, and, and this is how he's drawing the string. He said there were two guys who, who built houses. They both wanted a house by the lake. And one guy decided that, you know, he, he's not going to spend a lot of time on foundation. The sand is good enough. Nobody would do this, but you can see where Jesus is headed in his story. He said this guy goes out on the sand, just starts putting, you know, hammering timbers together, and he builds his house right there on the lake on the sand. The second guy Jesus talked about, he wanted a lake house too. But in Jesus' story, he, and Luke adds this to tell in his rendition of the Sermon on the Mount. Luke says he dig deep. I like that expression. Luke is a doctor. He's analytical. And he goes into this mode of saying he didn't just you know, build on the rock. He had to clear out some stuff before he could get to bedrock. He, he dug through the sand, and he dug through the clay, and finally he found bedrock, and he laid the foundation on the bedrock. That makes good sense. Everybody would do that. 
Jesus said, however, there came a time when a storm hit. And when the storm hit, foundations made all the difference. Because the guy who had built his house out there on the sand, on the beach, the storm wiped his house out. But when the storm hit the guy's house who had built on the rock, his house stood because it was on a sound foundation. Now, here's Jesus' invitation. He said, whoever hears what I teach and obeys it. That's really big because a lot of us who have been in church for years, we've accepted Jesus, but we've never gotten to this place of discipleship because we've heard and we've heard and we've heard and we've heard and we've heard. And then we don't act on what we hear. Jesus said, whoever listens to what I say and acts on what I say, that is the guy who has built his house, his life on the rock. Now, here's what I think. And we'll go back to the religion thing right now. And here's, here's what I want us all to get this morning. Your house is your life. It's what you do. Religion focuses on what you do. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands because it might be embarrassing, but how many of you have been part of a church that it was all based on what you do? You you know that you're part of this group because of what you do. You know, what things you do in the church, what sacraments you perform, how you look, um, what you do for the church, how much you give to the church. That is religion. That's the house, see? That's what Jesus was talking about, building the house. The house is the what you do. But do you notice that in Jesus' story, he's not focusing on the house. He's focusing on the foundation. The foundation is the why behind the what you do. You know, think about this. I mean, these two guys, Jesus doesn't say what kind of houses they have. One guy could have had a ranch house. The other guy could have had a two-story house. You know, it could have been, you know, what guy had? This guy had this decor going on. This guy had this kind of furniture. I mean, Jesus doesn't even get into this stuff. He's not worried about the house. He's worried about the foundation. Could I tell you that a relationship with Jesus is not based on or calibrated or judged by what you do? If, if I ask you, if I found you on the streets of Wichita and I ask you, I said... Uh, tell me how you know you're a Christian. If you said, well, I know I'm a Christian because I'm a member of New Spring Church, or I know I'm a Christian because I was baptized when I was a baby, or I know I'm a Christian because I'm a nice person and I help my neighbor, do you realize all you've told me is your house? And Jesus said, doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't get into how many bedrooms there were. He doesn't get into what kind of roof it had. He doesn't get into what style the house was. He doesn't even get into how well it's built. All he cares about is the foundation. And I can tell you this morning that what matters more than anything else is the why behind the what you do. Why do you do what you do? Why are you here this morning? If you're a member of a church, why are you a member of a church? If you give, why do you give? If you, if you talk to people about Jesus, why do you talk to people about Jesus? See, the why is everything. That's the difference between a religion and a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, if your foundation is what Jesus says, and you're saying the reason I do what I do is because of what Jesus says, then you're building on the right foundation. Now, that's very important because if you look at the sermon, and I'm just going to scroll through it for a moment, and I hope that you'll read this when you go home, but if you look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus talks about several things. He talks about how to be happy. He says the way to be happy is to put others first and to be humble before God. We call those the Beatitudes, 11 different statements. Jesus said happy, but if you just sum them all up, it's about putting other people ahead of yourself. 
And then, you know, over and over, Jesus said, you know, you've heard it said that you shouldn't do this, but I'm calling you to a higher standard. For instance, he said, you've heard it said that you shouldn't kill somebody. But Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, Jesus said, you've already committed murder in your heart. He said, you've heard it said that you shouldn't sleep with somebody who's not your wife or husband. But Jesus said, if you look at another person with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with that person in your heart. He said, love your enemies. He said, do what you do, not to be seen of people, but do it secretly so that the Lord will see you secretly and reward you openly. Um, He talks about storing up treasures in heaven. He said, don't lay up all your treasures on the earth because stuff happens. He said, store up your treasures in heaven. And he said, you know, don't worry about the future because he said, your father knows what you need. He said, don't judge other people because the standard that you use to judge other people is the standard that God will use on you. And he said, whatever you want people to do to you, that's what you should do for people. We call that the golden rule. All these things Jesus taught in this great sermon, this Sermon on the Mount. And he said, if this, if if Jesus is the reason for what you do, then he said, you have a life that will be good in God's sight. Now, Real quickly, I want to show you two universals and two variants in Jesus' story. I look for this kind of stuff when I read the Bible because I want to say, what is this saying to me? You know, I read this and I think, you know, because I was a kid, and boy, I'm really going to go way back here and I'm going to find out how many real church kids we had that grew up like me. How many of you sang the goofiest little song in the world called The Wise Man Built His House? Do any of you know that song? Oh my goodness, wise man built his house upon the rock, wise man built his house upon the rock, foolish man built his house upon the rock. I can't even keep the motions anymore. And the rains came tumbling down. You remember that song? I used to hear that and I think, oh man, that was really great. And I'd always wait for that moment when all the guys in the church, and I was waiting for that moment where the the storm came and the guy's house on the sand went splat. We used to love to say that and yell it out real loud. But I didn't have a clue in the world what that song meant. Let's get a clue about what this means. I mean, Jesus is saying, listen, it's the why behind the what. It's the reason for what you do that matters. And if your reason is good, now let's, let's talk about the two universals. Here's the first universal. Everybody is building a house. Both guys built a house. Listen, when you were born into this world, the doctor slapped your behind, and somebody wrote out a birth certificate, from that moment on, you're building a house. You can't say, hey, you know what? I want to check out of this life thing. I don't really want to do this. No, you can't do that. Have you noticed that? I mean, once you're born, once you're living, you're doing. You're framing a life. You're making decisions. You're making choices. You're going to this particular school. You're you're, you're meeting these people. You're hanging with this group. I mean, all of us are doing a life. Everybody builds a house. Life ushers you into it. The second universal is a big one. And the second one in Jesus' story is notice that the storm came to both people. Storms are coming. What are storms? Storms are just bad stuff, man. Bad stuff that's going to happen in your life and will shake you to the very core of your existence. Now, somebody can say, well, Mark, I follow Jesus. That means I'm immune from bad stuff. You haven't followed him very long. I know that. You say, Mark, I've been watching the TV preachers. They say if I give to their ministry and if I believe God for great things, I will never have any problems and I will always be well and I'll never be sick and my kids will always be great and they'll always have straight teeth and make good grades and I'm just going to be great because I've watched this and I'm claiming it by faith. Friend, I appreciate your passion, but I will tell you something. Storms come to everybody. You can be a God follower, storms will come. You know, you can say, well, Mark, I don't understand. I'm trying to follow God, and bad stuff is happening. Jesus said it would. The same storm hit both guys. And somebody can say, well, if that's the case, I'm not a God follower here today, and if if 
you know, serving God's not going to get me a Mercedes Benz and a big house and a condo in Paris. I mean, if that's not going to happen, why should I follow God? Could I just tell you storms are coming for you too? I mean, storms come to everybody. Life is hard. I love Pam, Pam Thumb's song. Life is hard, but God is good. Life is tough. Storms will come. Mark it down. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And he was talking to his followers. Storms come. Those are the two universals. You're building a life. You're building a house, and storms are coming. But there are two very, very important variants. And the first variant, of course, is foundations. And the foundation is totally different. One guy built his house on sand. The other guy built his house on bedrock. And the deal is this. Even though all of us are building a house, all of us are constructing a life today, our foundations are very different. What's your foundation today? For some of us, our foundation is, and and here's the big one, I really think. The reason why I think this is the big one is, is the one that Jesus mentioned. Most of us are building our lives based on what we've been told. You know that? I mean, we've been told this is how life works from the very beginning. We're told, you know what? If you want life to be successful, then you've got to, you know, be serious in school. You've got to meet the right people. You know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So you've got to rub shoulders with the, with the smart people and the rich people. And you've got to do this to get ahead. And you've got to do this. And then, then when you get, you know, get married, then you've got, to, you've got to marry somebody that's really hot and somebody that's going to, you know, impress all your friends. And then after that, you know, you've got to have 2.5 children, which is a real challenge in itself on that third part. And then, you know, after that, you got to buy the house, and then you got to get the vacation home, and you got to get the boat, and all that. And a lot of us are living our lives that way because we've been told this is how you should live. Listen, I don't know if I have time to do this or not, but I'm going to try it anyway. If you, if you have Matthew chapter 5 open, look at this. Look, this is in, in verse 21. Jesus said, you've heard... You must not murder, but I say if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. I mean, then skip down, you know, later in the chapter, you've heard, and, but I say. And then again, he said, you've heard, but I say. And then again, you've heard, but I say. You've heard, but I say. I mean, what's that, five or six times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, you've heard us this way, but I'm telling you, it's not like you've been told. See, that's one of the really, really important things about being in church. It's one of the important things about reading the Bible. Time out. I apologize for being so herky-jerky this morning. But in, 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 in 2008, we as a church are going to go through the Bible together. We're going to call it Odyssey 08. In fact, in a few weeks, you'll be able to purchase here if you want to the one-year Bible. It'll have some readings from the Old Testament, reading from the New Testament, reading from Psalms and Proverbs. There's a daily reading for all 365 days. We're going to give you a blog where you can like get a devotional for that daily reading. Why are we doing that? Because it's so important to know what God says. This is the Word of God. This is God's bound text messages for you. And it's so important to know because if you don't know, how can you do? How can you act on what you don't know? And Jesus is saying over and over, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. See, foundations are different. Some of us are building our lives this morning on stuff that other people have told us. We don't know why we're doing what we're doing. We just say, well, this is how it is. This is what the people around me are doing. This is what I've been told. But do you know your foundation is not right until you can get to the place where you say, I am doing what I'm doing because Jesus said, this is what works. And when you get to the place where you're saying, I'm doing what I'm doing because Jesus said it works, then you know, here's the deal. At that point, you are secure. 
Do you know it's possible to build the right house on the wrong foundation? Did you know that? You can go to the right schools, meet the right people, make the right incomes, marry a good person, have kids. You can build the right house on the wrong foundation. I love somebody very much in my life that I'm concerned about this person because this person is doing so many smart things. But I'm not sure about the foundation. You know, I see this happen in a lot of people's lives. They'll, they'll build the wrong house on the wrong foundation. A storm will come and they think, you know what, my house was wrong. And they'll go out and they'll build a house again of doing the right things on the sand again. And then the storm comes and they wonder, what in the world happened? It's because you're building the right house on the wrong foundation. It doesn't work. See, here's the deal. It doesn't work until you dig through the sand and you get to the rock. You know what the problem with sand is? And I ask this question because I still think many of us are probably building on the sand today. We love Jesus. We're saved. If Christ came today, we'd go to heaven, but we're building our houses on the sand. And what we're building on is we're building on what we've been told, what our neighbors do, what our friends do, what the American dream is. Do you know what the problem with sand is? Sand doesn't stay. Go out and pick up a handful of sand. You know what you can know about that handful of sand? It's been somewhere else. No sand today is where it was. Sand moves. You pick up a handful of sand, it's been somewhere else. It's going to go someplace else. Sand doesn't stay. Many of us are building our lives based on what people told us, but how many of us have lived long enough to learn that that changes? I, I can be told something works today. And nothing is, this is nowhere more true when we're told about what's good for us to eat, right? What's bad for us to eat? You know, we learn, this is bad for you. Six months later, another study comes out and says, this is good for you. Another study says, it's bad for you again. And you're like, I I bought this, I've taken it off my shelf, I put it back on my shelf. I mean, what what we're told changes. We're told, buy this stock, sell this stock. (laughs) That's all Jesus is saying. He's not saying you're a bad person if you just like live your life to please your friends or fit in with your peers. He's not saying you're a bad person. He's just saying, look, you're building on something that's been somewhere else. There, there are many of us, and this is one that just, and I've got to be, I've got to be careful about this. I'm running out of time. I, I've talked to Christians many times who are doing something that they know is not right. You know, I'm going to leave my, 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 my husband, and I'm going to hook up with this guy, and I know it's wrong, but, but I just feel, it feels right to me. You know what? That's been somewhere before. Somebody else has tried that. And it didn't work. It just blew over into your neighborhood. You say, you know, I, I, I know I should be in church. I, I know I should keep coming to church. But man, you know, I'm just so busy. And if I work this extra day, I'm going to get this extra income. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going like, to freeze God out on the weekends. And I'm just going to have my time with God on my own. Somebody else has already tried that. It's been somewhere else. But I'll tell you, <laughs> you find me a big old rock. I, I looked at a picture of the rock of Gibraltar because when I thought about Jesus' teachings, it made me think about the rock of Gibraltar, and I pulled it up on Wikipedia and I looked at it. That massive promontory there off the Spanish coast. You know what I thought to myself as I looked at that picture? You know, it's right where it was last year. <laughs> it's going to be right there tomorrow. I mean, a hundred years ago, it was right there. A thousand years ago, it was right there. 
And that's the power of building your life on Jesus and saying, I do what I do because Jesus said, do it. It was here yesterday. He was here. He was here a year ago. He was here a thousand years ago. Before there ever was a world, before there was any sand or rock, Jesus was here. That is why he is called the rock, because he's always in the same place. And tomorrow, listen, tomorrow when the storm comes, he's going to be right there. That sand that, you know, building your life on stuff people have told you, that sand's going to move around when the storm comes. It's going someplace else. It's not going to stay the same. But I'll tell you, Jesus will always be there. And when you're in the hospital and you're holding the hand of the person you love the most in the the world and that person won't wake up and you're listening to the sound, the creepy sound that those monitors are making and the doctor's giving you no hope, I want to tell you, if you have built your life on the Son of God, He will be there for you. If you built your life on the American dream, you will scratch your head trying to figure out what it all means. But Jesus will be right there. When you're waiting for the phone call to get a word from the doctor who's doing a a biopsy on a piece of your body and you don't know if that piece of your body is going to declare a war on the rest of your body, when you're waiting on that word from the doctor, the American dream may not mean a thing because where you live and what you drive and what you wear at that moment will be absolutely worthless to you, but Jesus will be there. When one of your kids blows your mind and runs away from everything that they've ever been taught and known that's true. And you're scratching your head trying to understand what matters and what makes any difference in life. I will tell you, Jesus will still be there for you. Because the rock doesn't move. And that's why Jesus is saying, it's not what you do that matters, it's why you do what you do. When you get to the place where you can say, I live my life based on Jesus and what he says, that will stay. So not only is your foundation... A variant, the outcome is a variant. Everybody's building a house, storms are coming to everybody, but the foundation you built on will matter when the storm comes. I know what a lot of us think. I know what I thought a lot when I was younger. You know, I'm going to do my thing now. Boy, if stuff starts going wrong, I'm going to get serious. You don't raise your hand. How many of you thought that? You know, I'm kind of rocking on right now. I'm doing some stuff I know is not right. I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. Die, I'd go to heaven, I think. But I'm doing some stuff that's not what a Christian should do. But, you know, <clears throat> things are going real good right now. And after all, I, I see people that are following God. But it looks to me like they're working just as hard, a lot harder than I'm working. And they're not any worse off. They're better off than I am. I mean, after all, my house went up real fast, and they're still digging over there. And a lot of, the, a lot of what they're putting into their house is below the surface. Nobody's ever going to say it. I don't understand why I should be, live my life that way, because I'm doing what feels good. But if things start going south, I'm going back to church. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start thinking seriously about God because if, if, you know, as long as stuff is going good right now, I'm going to be fine. But if, if stuff starts to go bad, then I'm going to run back to God. Do you know when the storm hits, time out. Boy, don't we know about storms here in Kansas? Man, we get those fronts that coming down from the north. We get that Gulf moisture coming up from the south. And boy, when, when the, it's like a hus- bad fuss between a husband and wife when they hit, isn't it? Man, we can get up in the morning, it's beautiful, sun shining. 
think it's going to be a lovely day, and by midday, one of those Kansas storms hits. Friend, I'll tell you something. When the storm hits, there's no time to work on a foundation. You won't have the time to say, well, I, I would have, should have, could I. I'm going to run back to God right now. Listen, when you're in the storm, it's going to be everything you can do to hold on. It is no time to start working on a foundation when you're in a storm. You work on a foundation in the sunny weather. You work on a foundation before the storm hits. <coughs> this and I'm through. I've been pastoring now for 30 years plus, 30 years plus. And I've heard a story that goes a lot like this. My phone will ring, the secretary will tell me somebody's on the phone, and the person will be on the other end. I haven't seen this person for a long time. Maybe they used to be at our church in the years past, or one of the churches I've served. And they just kind of like went away. And they call me on the phone. They say, (laughs) my favorite, do y'all still have services at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning? I'm thinking, well, yeah, it's on the Internet, it's on television, it's on on our sign. Do y'all still have services at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning? Man, if I had a dollar for every time this has happened, we could build the kids' building. (laughs) And they're saying, "Um, I I think my wife and I, we're going to be at church this weekend. Well, I'm I'm delighted to hear that because I haven't seen them in years, you know? And then they'll begin to go on to say something like this. We just had something really bad happen. Last week, my wife and I, we were this close to getting divorced. Last week, one of our kids blew our minds. And they're saying, we want to get back right with God. Now, I've teased a little bit about that, but I want to tell you, I love those phone calls. You know why I love those phone calls? Because, see, I'm not, I'm just a representative for God. I'm nobody important. I just get to be God's representative and God's spokesman. The thing your pastor loves best about God is he is the only one who will let you start completely over. And I get to be there and represent God to that person and say, you can start over. How many of us came back to God after a storm? Best laid plans of mice and men, dreams and flying machines lay beaten on the ground. We built a life It was on the wrong foundation, and the storm came. And we got up the next morning, and we looked and saw the timbers of our house, the life that we had built. We saw the timbers lying on the ground like broken matchsticks. And we said, next time, I'm going to build on a different foundation. Next time. I may be talking to somebody here today, and that's you. <laughs> you're saying, Mark, that guy you're talking about on the phone, that's me. I, I, my house is lying on the beach. It's in ruins. I, I had a hard time coming to church today, but I just said to myself, next time, it's got to be on a different foundation. I have real good news for you today. That if you will come to the Son of God and say, Lord, I'm through with religion. I'm through with stuff people tell me. I'm digging deep this time. I'm going through the sand of what everybody tells me. I'm digging through the clay of religion. I'm not stopping until I get down to the rock of Jesus. And I'm saying, I'm committed to this person. I'm committed to the Son of God. I want to be founded on the one who is not going to be shaken, who is not going to move tomorrow. I want my life to be based on the one so that the next time the storm comes, I'll be standing the next 
next morning. I want to tell you, I have good news for you today. The Lord will give you a shovel and let you go to work. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for what you've done in our lives. And Lord, you know it's my prayer. I want to do this myself. So I'm not just preaching to these people. Lord, I want my life to be on the rock. And I just pray for anyone here today, Lord, your children who've been maybe even building the right house on the wrong foundation. Lord, I just ask you in the name of Jesus that you'll help them today to dig deep and to dig through the stuff and to make a connection with Jesus, Lord. Lord, I pray for that person here today who's standing over the ruins of a storm. Lord, help them not to despair. Help them not to give up. Lord, help them not to become angry. Because sometimes, Lord, we get angry at the rock when the storm comes. Oh, Lord, let us not do that. And then, Father, if there's anyone here today who's never made that first step, who's never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, may that happen today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's still pray for a moment. I'm not quite through yet. You know, this message is for people who have already accepted Jesus. And somebody could say, well, Mark, I don't really understand what you mean by that. Well, the Bible tells us that God made the first man and woman in a state of perfection, but they chose to disobey God. And all the six billion rest of us have chosen to disobey God too. God made heaven for his followers and his angels, actually made heaven for Jesus, and we get to be part of it. He made hell for Satan and all the people who reject God. The only problem with most of us is that we were, we were all born in sin. There was only one person who was not born in sin, and that person was Jesus Christ. And he did the oddest thing. Jesus was God's son. He was God and human at the same time. He, he did not inherit sin because he was God. But he was human, and he had, and he had a life like us. He lived for 33 years and never did one thing wrong. That's amazing, isn't it? I can't live 33 minutes without doing something wrong. But Jesus lived 33 years, and he always did what God wanted him to do. And he never did one sin. Do you know the only person who deserved, the only human being who ever deserved to go to heaven was Jesus? He did the oddest thing. He took your hell for you. That's right. When Jesus died on the cross, the way God looked at it, and this is so true, this is the message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. When Jesus died on the cross willingly, he took your sin on him, and he offers that perfect life to you. But the deal is this God is a gentleman, God will not force his deliverance on any person. You have to receive it. And the only way that you can go to heaven, the only way that you can miss hell is to invite Jesus Christ. It's a vicarious thing. You just say, Lord, stand in my place. Take my hell for me on the cross. Give me your righteousness. I mean, imagine that. That is the greatest deal in the history of the world. That's better than somebody writing you a check for $100 million. It is God saying, I'm making an offer to you. I'm going to put my son on a cross so that he will take your hell for you, and he will give his goodness to you if you will just receive him. You ever, you ever hang with a celebrity, and you go into a, 
you know, you go into an event, a concert or something, and the ticket's really high and it's all sold out. But if you're with that celebrity, you just like walk through the gate with him or with her. Man, that's what heaven is like. Jesus is saying, just walk through the gate with me. Just hold my hand here. That's what accepting Jesus means. You're saying, I know I'm not good enough to go to heaven, but I'm, I'm accepting Jesus. I'm going with him. Now, throughout all the Bible, people did this. And the interesting thing is they all did it by just saying yes to God. The thief on the cross said, Lord, would you remember me when you come in your kingdom? You know, Paul told the jailer in Philippi, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. I mean, there were people who just said, I believe. You can see it's grace. It's God giving it to you. The only way to give it, the only way to have a gift is to receive it. You can't do something to earn it. If you do something to earn it, you screw it up. I mean, God is just saying, I want you just to accept my grace, accept my son. And if you will say yes to God today, God will give you his son, Jesus Christ, in your heart and life. He will wash away every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit, not with water, but with his own blood in the sight of God. And God will write your name in the census book of heaven. And when you, when you die and when you get to heaven, God will be there saying, I was expecting you. Your name is here. Wow, isn't that awesome? You say, well, Mark, how could that be? I'm such a mess up. I'm such a screw up. I've done so many things wrong. It's because that when you accept Jesus Christ, all your sin gets transferred to Jesus. He paid for it on the cross. And then God clicks and drags his Christ's righteousness and puts it under your name so that when God looks at your name in the census book of heaven, right under your name where your life is talked about, it just says, see Jesus Christ. That's big stuff. And all you have to do is say, yes, yes, I will. Man, I've married a lot of guys and girls up here at this altar in our old location. And I've asked them a question. A lot of times, you know, you, you always get a little freaked out when you see sometimes who people pick because you think, how did he get her? But you know what? <laughs> All he has to say is, I do. And I've seen some ugly old boys get some beautiful girls by just saying, I do. And there are millions of people who deserve to be in hell who don't deserve Jesus, but they're there because one day they looked at the Son of God dying on a cross and they said, I do. I do. How about you today? Would you be willing to do that? If you've never, I mean, listen, hey, I don't care about your church affiliation. Don't tell me you were baptized when your baby won't mean a thing in the world. It's not even in the Bible. Don't mean any disrespect, just telling it like it is. Don't tell me what your parents' religion was. My dad was a pastor. Wouldn't get me out of Tarrant County, which I grew up in. When I died, only thing that matters is I said yes to Jesus. And if you've never done that, you can do that right now. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you pray it with me, you don't even have to use my words, but I'm going to give you some words, and if you mean them from your heart, God will hear your prayer just like he hears the prayers of people every week at New Spring Church, and you can pray with me. It goes like this. Just mean this from your heart. I'll do it slow so you can think about it. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I believe you died in my place. I accept your sacrifice. I receive your goodness. Save me and forgive me. 
I trust you, Jesus, alone for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. You say, well, Mark, I prayed that prayer with you, but I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear any angels break out in song. You know what? God heard your prayer. It's all that matters. And we want to help. If you prayed that prayer today, you got this great-looking worship folder when you came in today. There's a card. It's detachable in the back. And you can say, Mark, I prayed that prayer with you. I accepted Christ. You can check the box on there. And here's what I'd like for you to do. If you pray with me to accept Jesus, i got a gift I want to give you. It's just it's this little black packet on the inside of it. There's some great information about the decision that you've made and how to take your next steps. There's some DVDs in there that will help you really know what it means to follow God. We just want to give this to you. I mean, it's our gift to you. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to, it's just like salvation. You don't have to earn it. All you got to do is just say, I want that. And you can take this with you, and it, God will begin to work in your life. Now, here's the deal. If you'll just, on your card, put an address where I can send this to you, and you can drop it in the boxes, the back doors, or the bottom of the staircase. You can drop this in the offering plate. You can hand it to a greeter. You can do anything you want to with this. But if you put a name and an address on here, some way for me to get in contact with you and just check this box and say, I pray to receive Christ. If you'll give this to us today, I'll mail you one of these this week. But if you don't want to wait, if you're ADD like me and you don't like to wait for anything, which I don't, you can get this today. All you need to do is go straight through the back there, go to guest services, and all you got to do is give them the card. You don't have to make a speech. You don't have to tell them what you've done the last 30 years or 30 days or anything, all you got to do is just give them the card and say, I pray with Mark, they'll give you one of these, and you take it with you today. Because here's the deal. At New Spring Church, we care about one thing. We want you to know Jesus and follow him. And if you do that, you're going to be fine. So I just want to thank you for being here today. Um, next weekend is my circle weekend. If you have somebody, listen, all of us have people in our circle who is not in Jesus circle yet. Next weekend is going to be the most awesome weekend in new spring in our history, November 3rd and 4th. It's my circle weekend. You guys have written names of so many people and we're praying over these names every day. And if you haven't invited them yet, you've got real short time. So, you know, if you've put someone's name on this, you want to make sure you invite them because next week, the love of God is going to be shown, I believe, like it's never been shown before. If you invite someone here, it's going to be church that's very different. You know, for all those people who will be here next weekend who will say, I thought when I went to church the ceiling would fall in on me, what they're going to find out is God loves them with all his, all his being. So if you haven't invited someone yet, you can. We're praying over these names every day. I mean, some of us are fasting and praying. Even, even now, there's still time. If you love somebody and you say, I'm going to invite them to be at New Spring next weekend for my circle weekend, there's still time. You can put the name here at the end of the service. You don't have to put a last name. You, don't, you, don't, you may not even know their name. Just write a description. God knows who they are. And when we pray, God will know who we're praying for.